0: This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about how you prepare for the future and be talking about wills and thinking about after you're gone. And even though that sounds morbid, uh, I think most of us here know that that's something important that's for us to look at before it is too late. So, um, I know that this is a topic, right, that nobody has any issue with, that debt is not, no big deal, right, no one ever struggles with it, um, but I imagine that probably for some of us this is an important topic. I want us to look in, as you look at our beginning of the page there, it reminds us that debt seeks to secure our happiness now by committing to pay more for it later. Debt has this way of trying to tell you that you need something right now, trying to make you happy on something and, and make some poor decisions so that you can take care of what you think you need to have right now, but what it does, it makes you pay for more of it later. If you pay for more of it later, what that means is, then later down the road, you can't do some of the things that you need to do because you're still having to pay for that stuff that you got way back then, right? And so this is important for us to think. The second line here is that regardless of how much debt you have accumulated, learn some biblical and practical steps to reduce your debt now and remove the opportunity to increase more debt later. Here's what I want to fight against. This is going to be the biggest issue for some of us here tonight. Some of us have so much regret in our past due to some of the decisions, it's going to make you feel like you were immobile to do something now to start making progress in the right way. Make sense? So some of us, uh, all right, let me just ask, you all know the difference between a half glass empty and a half glass full? person, right? You ever heard that mentality that you get a, a glass of orange juice and it's halfway full? Some of you are going to see it. Ooh, I got a half full glass of orange juice. And some of you are going to see it as half empty. How many of you are half full people? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are half empty people? Raise your hand. Okay, good. All right. So, um, you know, it's just like, well, I should have more. And then some of you are like, but I got some orange juice, right? And, and so with that, tonight, as we talk about this, uh, the, the danger for a lot of us is going to be this. You're going to hear me say this, and you're going, you know what? I never should have done that five years ago. Man, if I'd only done that 15 years ago. And you're going to not want to do something now because you regret what's happened in the past. Can I just tell you something? What's in the past is in the past. You can't change it. It is what it is. All right? So we all just got to grow up a little bit, man up, woman up, and say it is what it is. It may not be what I wish it was, but it is what it is right now. Right? So I've got to address where it is. And also this. You didn't get in this mess overnight, you're not going to get out of it overnight. Is that fair? If you you spent 10 years or 15 or 20 and you've got yourself this mess, you can't just say, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start putting $5 back every week and I'll be all right. Probably not. It's probably going to take a little bit more than that, a little bit more time. But that's okay, all right? We want to be patient with this. And so here's a few things I want us to look at. I'll put together some more Proverbs that talk about debt and contentment. Let's look at some of these together. Proverbs eleven 15, they're written there in your page, your handout for you. But you can also look them up, mark them in your Bible. But this one says, Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands and pledge is secure. So once again, we talked this morning about striking hands in Proverbs. It's this, this thing is almost like two people would say, all right. I'm going into an agreement with you, right? We're striking hands. We're saying a yes to something that basically I, I will put up security for you so that you can go ahead and make this purchase. In our our language, we would call that co-signing, right? I'm a co-sign on this. I'm striking the hands of somebody to make a pledge. But this proverb says, whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. Now, I imagine a lot of you would go, I don't have a hard time putting up security for a stranger. It's the people I do know, right, that you get yourself in, in this situation with. But I think the Bible is trying to say you even have to be careful there, because if you're putting up security for someone else, it can cause you to suffer harm, right? Physical harm? Sure. Financial harm? You better believe it, right? You put yourself into a situation with debt for someone else, it can get you in a bad spot. It says, but he who hates striking hands, going into debt for somebody else, if you hate doing that, you're secure. Why? Why? Because you're saying, these are the resources that God has given me. I'm going to do with them what I can do and not really worry about any of those other things, right? Just take care of my own business and see what I can do. This next proverb, Proverbs 17, 18, one who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. So if you lack sense, that basically means this. All right, I will help you get in this situation. Why? And I'm going to put this up for you and and if you lack sense, it says you'll give a pledge and you'll put up security in the presence of his neighbor. And so what that's honestly is it's getting you in a situation but also teaching other people, ah, this is somebody who will help somebody out of a jam, right? Now, now, now here, here's the thing. Um, Do all of you know that person in your life who only shows up when times are difficult? You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Like they're, they're never around when, when everything is good in their life, but when everything falls out for them they start coming to you, right? And you're teaching them that I can always land on you. When I need a soft place to land, I can. Now, in some ways, I would say that's a really, really good thing and a noble thing. And in some ways, we have to be very, very careful that we're not enabling someone to continue in further disobedience. And folks, especially for those of you who've ever had a wayward child, that is one of the hardest things in the world to know where to draw that line. Is it not? It's hard. Um, and so, so how do you do that? Um, If you think through, especially when it comes down to if it was a child or a family member that you love, there are certain times where, um, have you ever uh, um, allowed, let me ask parents in this room, have you ever allowed your child to suffer a little bit of pain so that they would avoid further pain? I have. You know, if if I've I've told that child, don't walk on that, you're going to fall, and they keep doing it, they keep doing it, I can protect them and keep moving them off that, or sometimes I might just let them fall. And a boo-boo on the knee or a scraped elbow and they're bleeding, that's bad. But can I tell you what's worse? Allowing them to continue to think they can live their life with no consequences. Because there's a worse boo-boo if they continue going on that line, right? And so you want to sometimes get that attention. Well, someone who lacks sense doesn't mind just giving up a pledge, allowing somebody to sort of sell through. As a reminder, we looked at this verse. So I won't spend a lot of time on it uh, tonight, but Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor. As I broke that down today, I said that our economy is built on that the rich get richer, on the poor getting poorer. Would you all agree with that statement? The, our, our system is built on the rich are going to get richer. Why? On just prying on those that are poor and weak and saying, okay, i got to have this stuff now. And they're getting poorer while these rich people are even getting richer. And the borrower is slave of the lender. You feel enslaved. You feel like it got shackled. And you can't go that far anymore because of that. The next verse there. Proverbs 22, 26, and 27, be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? So you decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help somebody else out and says, all right, one day they're coming for your mattress. Okay. Like that's that serious. They're going to come and they're going to find it. And many of us have known what that pain is like and what that frustration is like, that you're trying to do something. And then all of a sudden you are reminded very quickly and without a whole lot of grace. Oh, by the way, that stuff that you thought was yours actually isn't yours. <laughs> they have rights to it, right? Look at this next Proverbs, Proverbs 27:13. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Now, what in the world is he saying there? <laughs> A lot of what he is saying is that a lot of times that someone can feel this leaning towards helping someone else out, even it could be an adulteress, it could be someone who is doing something wrong, and somehow they can suck you into that sin with them, right? Just showing us the danger of something like that. Um, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-five. the next one, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. That's a good word there. A greedy man, it stirs up strife. And so when you're greedy and you're going to do this, does it stir up strife and and issues? Absolutely, it causes people to act all kinds of crazy. But the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. And is that saying in this um, uh, Bible verse that if you just trust in the Lord that you're going to have a real fat bank account? Probably not. Because I'll tell you this, there is a greater riches than having your bank account full. And that's knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that you're, you're, you have a place with him, that your sins are forgiven, that you're going to be in heaven. And I guarantee this, that's a whole lot better than how your retirement account is going with the stock market right now, okay? Whole lot better, whole lot better. So you trust the Lord and you're going to be enriched. And does that times? if you do things this way, will you take care of your needs? Absolutely you will. But there's an enrichment there that honestly can't be bought or borrowed there's some other verses on debt that are outside the book of Proverbs. We can, we can bend a little bit, uh, even though we're looking at a lot of Proverbs. But I think it's important for us to see. This isn't just isolated to Proverbs. Here's a few for us. Romans 13, 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Okay. Now, why in the world would we, we talk about verse like that? Because that's a kind of unique one. But I think in Romans 13, this is a chapter of Scripture that's saying this. You need to honor the authorities in your life. Okay? Now, that's a verse sometimes that I like, and sometimes I go, "Mm, you don't know about these authorities, God. But he says, God puts authorities in our lives to keep things at bay, right? Can you imagine what? I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on wrong in this country, but if there was no police system, if there was no government, if there were no laws, can you imagine what the streets would look like? be pretty bad, right? So he says, look, you, the authorities and government and institutions are set up for your good. And in the context of that, he says, so paid all that is owed to them. So taxes to whom taxes are owed, why well, has the Bible got to get into my business, right? Okay. Um, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Here's the, the way that this relates to debt. Once you get into an agreement with somebody, guess what? Even if another need arises in your life, if another opportunity arises, when you have gotten into debt, what are you, you have to do you at least got to pay that minimum payment, right? I got to pay the taxes that were there owed, the revenue to whom is owed. You're tied. You're, you're shackled into that. But also respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's look at Romans thirteen eight, the very next verse. Owe no one anything. I'll say that again. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. He said, here's a great place for, for you to live and for operate and to think through life. What if you could be in a place where you don't owe anybody anything? Some of you would be like, can that happen? Can I just say that? You know, that, wouldn't that be great where there's nobody that you're, you're, you're shackled to and that you have that? That's called freedom, right? That, that's called freedom that if you don't have to owe anything to anybody. Now, once again, this is so much I want to give a good biblical balance, and I told you this a couple weeks ago. There's the prosperity gospel that's out there in our culture today that says, if you'll just trust in Jesus, that your bank account will go up, right? And if you follow that type of gospel, can I tell you that you might be in danger of Jesus not being your Lord, but money being your Lord, because that's what you want more than anything, right? I just, I'm coming to Jesus. Why? So my bank account will get taken care of. That means that the money is your God, not, not Jesus. So you have to be careful there. You swing the pendulum to the other side, there's a thing called poverty theology the poverty gospel that says God only loves people who are poor and give everything away. And while I think there's a lot of stuff that probably some of us need to think about how to be more generous, here's the thing that I know. If I give everything away that I have and I don't prepare for retirement, guess what's going to happen? One day, my kids, when they're at the place where they can start being generous to other people, aren't going to be able to because I've hindered them from that. So, so with this, this, this goal of owe no one anything, I want to be in the place of my life where I don't owe anybody anything. Like, I'm good. All my account's squared away. Everything's situated. And the only thing I should owe to somebody else is to love each other. And that's what I want to owe. Like, let me see how I can love someone. How can I be generous? How I can bless others. And then look at Psalm 3721. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. Is that clear enough? <laughs> clear enough, isn't it? So a wicked person will be someone who borrows money, goes into debt, but does not pay it back. And I go, man, that, that, that doesn't sound too good. So what does the righteous do? They borrow and they give back? No, it says the righteous is generous and gives. That's what they are. Well, how can you be generous and gives? Because you've taken care of, of settling your soul that you don't have to have what America is telling you, you have to have to be somebody. You don't buy into that lie. I do not have to drive that car for a status symbol. I don't have to go in debt to be my eyeballs for my family to love me. I can be content in what Christ has given me. I have food and covering. With these, I will be content. I have enough. I am enough in who he says I am. Enough, period, right? That's, that's the first thing. Then you get down to it and say, okay, now I'm in a place that if I take care of all my stuff and I'm thinking how to to live appropriately and to take care of things and to be wisely, now I have the opportunity to be generous and do what? Give, give. Like, wouldn't that be an awesome place to be, right? Like, let me see how I can give back. I was talking to a um, friend recently who is, is someone who is so, so eager that, um, and I, I know a lot of times if you see someone on the street that's, that's looking for, um, for finances, looking for help to get through the day, I know a lot of people have a lot of different things that you think through. And, you, and a lot of you analytical people, you're like, well, how'd that person get here? Maybe if they made a better... And you start thinking through all this kind of stuff, right? I have a friend who he gives out as much as he possibly can because he was the recipient of somebody because he used to stand on that street corner too. He's been there. And he knew what it was like to, to not know where he was going to sleep that night or how he's going to eat, and he had received that. And so now he wants to be in the place where he goes, I want to be in a financial situation Even if I don't know these folks, I want to bless as many people as I can bless. That's what I want to do in my life. Um, Can I tell you that as we go through these next few weeks, one of the things that's going to seem very shocking for for you to hear a pastor say, but I really do wish that people who love Jesus and love his kingdom work would get richer so that we could send more missionaries out. There's some of you right now that you got a business mind. You are just smart. You know how to, to work things. And, you, and I'm not saying turn into a workaholic. I'm not saying to turn into a materialism person. I'm saying, hey, I could start this company and do this. I know people in my life that have started extra things just to fund mission work. Make money. Why? Just send them out as much as we can. You go, I got my needs taken care of. I can bless my family. I got everything situated. But what if you made money just for the whole sake of let me see how much I can give away? Like, that, that's somebody who I go, that's what Jesus even said. You remember the parable of the talents? Remember? He gave different, the, the master gave 10 to one, five to one, and one to the other. And what happens? He comes back and the 10 multiplied it, made some more. The five multiplied it, the one some more. He got it the one said, so what'd you do with it? I hit it in the ground. Because I knew you were going to come looking for it one day. So don't worry, I still got it. But did you do anything with it? Yeah, I hit it in the ground, and it's still here. And what, what, did the, what did Jesus say in the parable? Take that one from that wicked, lazy servant and give it to the guy who's got a bunch over here. Well, that's not fair. Jesus goes, don't you understand? At least he's going to do something with it. He's going he's to work, why? So that he can give away more. And so it's not a bad thing for you to be in a good financial place and it's not so that you can say, look how wealthy I am. It's going, look how much I can give away. Wouldn't that be a great place? Wouldn't be a great place to be. So with this, we have to think, we want to be the righteous people. We want to be generous. We want to give. Um, I, folks, at every stage of my life, there have been people along the way that were generous and gave to me. And I cannot, and, and every time that I, I, I think through those moments, I go, look what they got to be a part of, Right? I've had people who said, I physically can't get on that plane and go to that mission trip, but you can, and this is the way that I go, I'm sending you. Praise God for that, right? Praise God that as a Southern Baptist, my seminary was very, very cheap compared to other types of seminary. Why? Because Southern Baptist churches like ours says, let's make it affordable so we can send more ministers and missionaries on the field. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Like, let's, let's do this together. Isn't it wonderful that as our church, every week, as we give in the offering plate, we give straight back to Miracle Hill and just say, see how many people we can help in this community. Let's just get it out there, right? That's a wonderful thing to do. Like, I just want more people to say, let me be, uh, as I'm trying to live righteously, be generous and also give to others. So, so the Bible is, is full on this, but let's talk a little bit about what the danger of debt is um, and here's, here's the first thing. It highlights a symptomatic problem because debt can be an external symptom of an internal problem. A lot of times we'll, we'll see it and you'll say, okay, I shouldn't have debt. Well, why is it? Because it's symptomatic. It's, it's a symptom of an internal problem. There can be a few different things. Some of us can go into debt because you feel like you're not enough and you've got to impress somebody. You just need to impress somebody. So you're willing to put yourself in a dangerous situation because if you have this, if you're riding in that, if you're living in that, somebody's going to respect you. Can I just say this right now for every single person in this room? Some of you are deficient in affirmation. You have not had enough people in your life say that you're enough. And if I could be anything to you tonight, as I want to hear you say this, you are enough that so much that God would send his own son to die on the cross for you. For all the people who've told you that you're not enough and what you don't have, I want to tell you, God loves you. And you do have wonderful, wonderful traits. Do you got issues? Oh, yeah, just like me, right? But I want you to hear this. So many of us right now are struggling in the affirmation department that we are seeking it in unhealthy ways. So I want to be the type of dad to my daughter who hears a male figure in her life tell her that she is enough and she's beautiful and she doesn't need some idiot guy to tell her that. I want to be the one doing that. I want to fill that love tank so she's not desperate looking for it somewhere else, right? Some of us right now are empty in that love tank. Someone has not told you enough that you feel like, you know what? All right, so fine, I've got to go and find affirmation in what you drive and what you live in. Some of us are just, we're just greedy, envious, jealous of what everybody else has, and we're just... We're just stuck on it, right? Some of you, it might be clothes or shoes and whatnot. That may be the thing for you. Some of it, it might be a car, whatever it might be. There are certain things that you see and you go, status symbol, I, I've got to have it, right? And Some of you just have to say, I'm not going to the mall anymore. <laughs> I'm not going on these online sites. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking at this stuff. Whatever it can be, but it's symptomatic. It's not the issue. It's a symptom of a greater issue. Here's number two, uh, why debt's dangerous. There's high interest rates. When your purchases incur high interest rates, you pay an unreasonable amount more than what something is worth, and you are hindered from future opportunities. As we've said, this you can easily pay um, on a credit card. There's some credit cards that are over 20% interest. So if if barebone, if you if you charge something for hundred dollars, you're going to pay 120 dollars on it, right? Something that simple. It can't even be longer. But they're going to stretch it out as long as you possibly can do it because the longer they got you on the line, the more interest you're going to pay them. They've covered the cost of that a long time ago. They just want to get as much money out as they can. So these high interest rates are, and so so not only that, it's an unreasonable amount. You're paying more for something than what it's worth, but this other part, you were hindered from future opportunities. So if you think about, in your lifetime, all the money that you'd ever make at your job, Okay. I don't know what it'd be, I don't know what your job is, but let's just say you were going to make, I don't know, let's just say you, you did really well. You made a million dollars in your lifetime, okay? You could be a millionaire. Every time that you pay $1,200 for something when you could pay $1,000, that's decreasing that amount just a little bit. You following me? If, if you pay the minimum payment on a credit card for something that is $2,100 at 15% interest rate, you will eventually pay four um on it, you'll pay double. So you go, was that couch worth $2,100? Nope. It definitely wasn't worth $4,000, but that's what you'll pay for it. And you're not going to see it. They're never going to tell you like that. They're just going to keep you on the line, keep you on the line. Those high interest rates that you just feel like, oh, it's just low, low payments, right? We're good. It's low payments. You don't see what you're paying in the long run. Here's the next thing. Deceitful minimum payments. Paying the minimum payment on a debt is extending the life of a loan and raising the amount ultimately paid. If you just pay the minimum amount, all right, so you owe a thousand dollars. You only gotta give us $15. Oh, that sounds a lot better than a thousand, right? But instead of paying a thousand, what if I told you you'll pay two thousand on it one day? That's what you'll pay. And that extra thousand, you're never gonna get back. Never get back. It's gone. It's gone. So instead of paying a thousand for something, you're gonna pay two thousand on it. You'd say, Well, that's not smart. Well, so if they say, here's the minimum payment, you go, that's a lie from the pit of you know where. Let me see, right? Can I, can I pay more? Can I pay more on it? Can I do something different with it? Um, and, and, and so you want to go as, as hard as you can at that. Next, a subtle depreciating value. Most purchases depreciate in value, which means you will possibly owe more than the value itself. I gave you this example this morning, but for those who weren't here, if you get a $30,000 new car... And you drive it off the lot, it decreases in value by 10% right away, which means it's now worth $27,000 and you owe $30,000 on it. And if you keep it for three years, I think they say in three years, a $30,000 car would depreciate by about $13,000. Okay? So now you owe $30,000 on it, and in three years, it's worth 17 And you go, and you're still making the payment, right? Still make the payment. And, and, and those people who got, gave you that loan, they were so nice for it. They've had this big smile. Oh, you can ride away in this today. And they guess what? They ride in a really good car off your money. Off your money. And so you, you, so you have to be so, so careful because it depreciates in, in value. Um, and, and you're actually paying on something more than what the value is. Uh, and it also an increasingly burdensome situation. Debt increases your potential of being a burden on others and reduces your opportunity of being a blessing to others. We've said this in a bunch of different ways, but I want to just say it again. It puts you in a spot where you are shackled, and yet you want to go, but you can't go that far, right? All right, let's turn over the, the page a little bit. We're going to get even more practical. Okay, we tracking okay so far? Yeah. We good? All right, so let, let's look at this, the determinants of debt. What are some of the major areas that people get into debt, right? The first one is home mortgage. I will say this, do not have a mortgage payment that is more than 25% of your take-home pay. I want to get as practical as I possibly can and stuff that I've researched. If you want to know what type of house that you should live in, I will say this. Uh, the, the people that I would trust would say this, do not have a mortgage payment that is more than 25% of your take-home pay. That's kind of easy to figure out, right? So if I make this much in a month, and if, and if it is, and let's just make it real simple because I'm not that good at math, right? If you make $1,000 this month, then that means that your mortgage payment, if $1,000 comes in, how much should that mortgage payment be a month? 50. $250. Okay, you tracking? So if you were at a place of like, well, it's $500, and I'm making $1,000 a month, guess what? you in trouble. And you might be feeling like you're, you're, you're above water right now, but I'm telling you, time's coming. So this is just a good rule of thumb. So you look and say, not, not, not before taxes, like after taxes, what are you actually bringing in? And mortgage payment will be a place of don't be above 25%. That makes you house poor if you go beyond that. You're living in something you can't afford, and, and, and what it does is it straps you so much. If it's in the 37% or 40% of what you got, you don't even have barely any room to pay the light bill anymore, right, or do anything else out. It straps you, so it's just a good place to be in. Say, okay, that's the limit. Can I tell you, um, first first time I ever sat down, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, Of my wife was a whole lot smarter in this stuff than I was, but sitting down there in the bank the first time, talking with somebody, wanting to give me a mortgage, and I, and I felt like I needed a dictionary with all those big words she was using. Couldn't tell if she was speaking English or Chinese. I didn't know what was going on. But I just knew I did not know what she was talking about. Listening to all this kind of stuff, doing all this kind of deal. Here's the thing, what I found out. You know that the bank will loan you a, a lot more money than probably what you ought to be spending on it. Big time. So I had been working for two years as a pastor. I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I didn't have any debt at the time. And, and because of that, and I've been saving up some money because I've been living in a double-wide trailer that the church had provided for me, so we would saved up a pretty good you know, you know, chunk of change. When you eat ramen noodles every night, you're doing all right for yourself, right? So we were in a good spot. But, um, but this is the thing. So, oh, well, you've got this. Well, you could get a house that's worth this much. Really? Oh, yeah, we, we'd approve you for that. Well, that sounds pretty good, because houses I was looking at and weren't. That, I was thinking something like this. Oh no, no no, we'll approve you for this. I could really get that absolutely. They said. So what are the bills that you have? I got this this this, and I also you know I got my tithe to the church. Oh we don't we don't put compute that into our configurations. No no no, but this is the first thing that I give. I I give at least ten percent of before the taxes come out back to our church. This kind of stuff. Yeah we don't compute that because that's not a necessary bill. It is for me. It's not for the person who want to get you a house, right? Because what they want to do, stretch you as far as they can stretch you. Oh, no, you, you don't, don't worry about that. No, 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 no. 25%, that's nothing. 30%, 40%, 50%. You, you could afford this. You'll be fine. And so it, it gets you in a place. That's a good rule of thumb. Don't have a mortgage payment that is more than 25% of your take-home pay. Now, I know some of this stuff, for, for some of you, you're going, this is remedial. I got that, travel. But I want to make sure some of this stuff no one ever told me. Just no one ever told me, right? Um, let me also just give you this, this scenario, right? Um, for, for some of us right now, the, the situation, you might be deciding, should I be renting somewhere? Should I be buying something? You ever been in that place where you're going, oh, which one should I do? Um, I'll know this. You can rent some apartments downtown Greenville that are way more expensive than a huge house on the outskirts of Greenville. You realize that? I mean, pay crazy, crazy money, and when you rent... And you rent for a year or five years, and then you step away from that apartment. How much of that money do you get back? Zero. They got it. They took care of everything. Now you didn't have to get a lawnmower to take care of the yard, right? You didn't have to worry about when the hot water heater. They they took care of that. That's a perk. But when you walk out of that house after five years, you've got zero dollars to show for it. You just had a place to live. If you were to take that same amount of money that you uh, sent to somewhere you were renting, and you put it to a house for five years. Guess how much of that you get when you leave? A good percentage of it. It's a thing called equity, right? One of these words, I didn't know what they were talking about. You want some equity? I guess. Do you get it in a jar? Like, what is it? Okay, yeah. What happens is, so when you put five years, right? So we're talking 60 months of payments into something. And when you sell that house, you get some of that money back. That's pretty good. And in those five years, this is the one area in your life that a value will go up. Your car depreciates. Your clothes depreciates. Your gadgets depreciates. A home value normally goes up. Huh. So you mean to tell me if I bought a $100,000 house and I lived there for five years, it might be worth $120,000. Well, that's not a bad deal. I put $10,000 in it, and now I sell it. Guess what? You got the ten that you put in there, and also that extra 20. So you're actually advancing yourself. Now, is that going for richness sake? No, it's for your future and for security and for the ability to be generous. It's a smart move. So when you think through that, though, if, if you're deciding I'm going to live here for a long time and at least a little span of time, there's a lot of different ways. If you're going to live somewhere for six months, don't buy a house, okay? If you're going to live somewhere a little bit longer than that, you might want to think about buying because once again, that would allow you to put money in and when you sell it, you get something back. But please, 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 Think about that, look through it. Don't have a mortgage payment that is more than 25% of your take-home pay. Uh, Second area that can go into it is car loan. Due to a car's significant depreciating value, avoid a car loan if at all possible. Due to a car's significant depreciating value, as we've already mentioned, please try to stay away from a car loan if at all possible. And you say, well, what would you do? You know what I did, I told you this morning. (laughs) I had $2,000. I got a Mercury Mystique I could barely fit in, but I was free. Okay, like I, I, was in, I, I was not burdened by those shackles of debt anymore. And you know what? That Mercury Mystique ran just fine. In fact, I missed that gas mileage on that little thing. It was, it was some good days, right? And that's what I had. And as clearly and as boldly as I can say this, had I said yes to a car payment, I may have had to say no to what I felt like God was leading our family to. Just uh, that's as plain as I can be. And so with this, you got to be really, really careful with that. And so once again, I know that thinking about this, but somebody told me this, that what you need to work for is you need to work on how to pay cash for a car. And I remember thinking there is no way possible I can do that. But once again, first car I ever paid for was, a, once again, a $2,000 car. And you know what? It was a wise investment for us, and we were able to go on that. And you know what? There are probably people who thought, you yeah, know, that car is just, all oh, whatever. You know, it, it, I don't care. Well, I was free. Free to do what God had called me to do. So be very, very careful there. Let me ask you a question. If you're at a place today where you say, there's no way, I'm not even close to that. I couldn't do that right now. What you can either be is you can be defeated right now by that or that can be a goal for some way down the future. Okay? If you got to get a car loan, okay, it's understandable. If you got to get one, but that also doesn't mean you have to stay on their line for the 60 months. Even if you could say, I'm going to pay 50 months instead of 60, pay a little bit more, you're working your way down. You follow me? Minimum payments $300. I'm going to put $350 on it. Slowly get it down and not get as much interest in there. So be careful with the car loan. Let's talk about student loan. Uh, Regarding student loans, determine if the value is worth the cost and evaluate what type of schooling is absolutely necessary. Um. I was talking about student loans today, and I saw some of our college students going, like, uh, you know, just hyperventilating. am like, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. We'll work through this, right? Um, I think the average they said last year was, what, $35,000 in student loan debt? $35,000. That's a hard load to be able to pick up. Um, I've known some friends who were... First generation college graduates, right? Nobody in their family had ever gone to college, and they went to college and they were, they were being told, if I go to this college and I get this degree, I'm gonna get a wonderful job. And they got that graduation and they're like, I'm finally there. And you know what they were told next? Now, if you really want a good job, you have to get a master's degree, right? And if you really want to get, it just it keeps going like, I got $35,000 in debt. I need to start paying. No, you need to get some more. It's a more debt to do this. Um, I cannot speak on behalf of the Lord about your exact situation. But I will know this. God is able to open up doors that man closes. And he is able to close doors that man tries to open. And I, I'm saying this, that if, if I came down and my children are getting ready, that they need to go to, they're wanting to get a degree in this, And they can either go to this elite university and spend gobs of money, or they can go to this state school and live at home or whatever this kind of stuff. I don't wanna set them up for failure. And so I have to be very careful. Now, there are some places and some degrees that I go, that's probably necessary to go to a place like that. But can I tell you, if you are going to somewhere that just costs an astronomical amount of money and you could get that degree somewhere else, you gotta really be careful. Really be careful. And we'll evaluate as you start thinking things through. Because most of us in our lives, yep, if you got a degree, that probably helped out. But it was also who you knew, where you were, how hard you worked, right? You ever had, who was that first person in your life that told you it's not about uh, what you know, but who you know? I used to I always think, oh, they're not right about that, folks. They were right, weren't they? They were right. You, one connection with somebody and you don't even have that degree, one connection, one opportunity, let me give a sh- chance at it, and you made it. You made it. So to be careful that you always don't have to buy into what um, that uh, even our, our country is telling you. Uh, this last one, credit cards. If you are unable to pay the full monthly amount of your credit cards, consider eliminating them altogether. I mentioned that this morning. I really, really mean that. If you can't pay for just, if you're just doing the minimum payments on it, uh, consider eliminating them all altogether all right let me let me tell you because this is always comes up whenever I talk this um, but years I, I know they 've had different things like this, but nowadays they have different perks right They want to sell you on Hey, get this credit card and you 'll get travel miles to where where are you want to go you know and uh, or you can get cash back on this or you can do this uh, the, um, you know, um, you can get an Amazon card, and they're going to just uh, get points up and whatnot, and then eventually you're going to be able to get something for $5 for free, okay? You know, th- that can be the opportunities, right? Can I just tell you this? If you have self-discipline, and you would pay the entire amount when it's due that first month, you can have the authority to get a card like that. I think you got the control, too. So if someone is going to say this, for every $100 you, you use on this credit card, we're going to give you $5 back. You know what I know some people who can do? Self-discipline enough to put all those purchases on it, and they pay it off every month, and guess how much interest charge there was? Zero. And then you got a bunch of money that they're giving you free money. Now, why would a credit card company give you free money? Because they don't think you're going to do it. <laughs> they got enough other people that, that's paying for that, Right they got plenty of people. They don't think that you're disciplined enough to do it. They go, yeah, we'll give you free stuff. So if you're at a place that you're disciplined enough to say, I will pay off the total amount every month, you put your groceries on it, your gas on it, whatever, and you put $300 in and they say there's $30 now attributed to your thing, and you pay off that whole thing, no interest charge, great, power to you. Go for it. Use the system. Use it. If they're going to give you free money, take it. Anybody gives me $5, I'm going to take it anytime I can, Right? But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to give them 20 for the file they promised me. Don't go there, right? Don't go there. They're going to trap you. So, so with this, if you're at a place where you're saying, I can only pay minimum amounts, you're in a bad spot, and you need to consider getting rid of them altogether. If you're at a place where you can use the system, take advantage of it because they're taking advantage of plenty of other people. So whatever you can do, but you've got to be disciplined. If not, get the scissors and go to town, all right? Now, here's how to decrease debt if that's where you are. All right, here's the deal. If you start thinking about it, reduce your current debt by making a persistent and progressive plan, okay? So whoever in this room, whether you've got one issue of debt or if you've got too many to even count, I want you to start thinking about how you reduce it by making a persistent and progressive plan. Notice that I did not say that you get rid of it by tomorrow, right? It's not going to happen. But be persistent about it. Make a progressive plan. What's the goal that you want to do? Number two, remove the opportunity to go into further debt by fighting for contentment and planning for spending. If you know this is an issue for you, you got to see what you can do to make sure you don't go into further debt, whether it is cutting up a credit card, whether it is selling something to make those purchases, whatever you need to do, figure out what that is and make sure you're removing that obstacle from you, right? Something that's going to lure you in, tempt you into doing something different. So... If you were at a place where you'd say, okay, well, that's great, so so let me see how I can get a plan to get some of those things down, and what are some of the things that I can start doing to remove that possibility, but what do you do with the existing debt that you have? This is something that a lot of different people use. I think Dave Ramsey made it super, super popular, but other people have did it. It's called the debt snowball. So utilize the debt snowball effect by paying off your debts, not including your home mortgage, in order of the lowest to the highest balance. How many of you have ever heard the term debt snowball before you came in here today? Raise your hand. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to show you what it is. So uh, imagine that it's snowing uh, out here in Greenville County, and it's, it's actually like a good-sized snow, right? It's one of those that, like, school's shut down, nobody's got milk, nobody's got bread, everybody just snowmageddon, everybody, you know, whatever. It's real bad shape, right? A lot of snow, it's more that you can actually go out there and have a snowball fight. You can actually build a snowman that's more than six inches. Like, it's one of those good ones. And the thought process is, you know, you see those movies where, like, a, a snowball's coming off down the mountain. And as it gains up momentum, what happens to the snowball? It gets bigger, right? It keeps going down. And, you know, it starts here. But the, the longer that goes down the mountain, the bigger that it gets. That's the concept with a debt snowball that you start with whatever you got to do small, but the more that you do this, you pick up traction. And the longer you're in this, the bigger that it gets. Okay, the bigger that it gets. And when I say not including your home mortgage, not saying if you can pay off your home mortgage, go for it. But I'm saying we might want to start a little realistic, right, okay, take those things outside of that and try to attack it. So with each successful debt removal, apply the completed payment to the subsequent debt. What I mean by that is pay off the smallest one and when you pay off that smallest one, what do you do next? Pay everything else and put it on the next one. And guess what happens? Over time, that snowball gets bigger. And you start working your way down. And you start finding a little bit of freedom. Right? So you pay that subsequent, whatever that next debt is. Let me give you some examples here, okay? Just some ways to kind of look at this. Here's the deal. Let's just imagine that you got a $500 medical bill, and there's a $50 payment that you're owed every month, okay? You need to owe $500 medical bill. Some of you are like, that's just my checkup. Okay, but just making some easy numbers for us, okay? $500 medical bill, $50 payment. Here's the next thing. Here's a credit card debt. If you had a $2,500 credit card debt and the, and the uh, minimum payment was $63, okay? $63. $2,500 credit card debt, $63 payment. Now let's get to a car loan. If you had a car loan, that was the tune of $7,000. And they'd give you a very generous, oh, just pay us $135 a month, and you'll be with us for the next decade of your life. But just, you know, just be a little bit, right? $135, okay? So $7,000 car loan, $135 payment, and then here's a, a student loan scenario. $10,000 student loan and a $96 payment, okay? Once again, how long will you be paying that student loan for? Long time, right? Long, long time. Okay. Four debts. Um, here's, here's the deal with this. If you paid the minimum, you would maintain these debts for 10 years and 10 months. If you just paid the minimum. And that's also given, you don't borrow another dollar for the next 10 years and 10 months. Not one more dollar. You'll be paying just the minimum for 10 years, 10 months. All right, I want you to think for a second. How, how old are you right now? Just get it in your mind. And attack ten years onto that. Do you still want to be paying for that stuff at that age? Uh, nope. uh-uh. I got plenty of issues then, right? Okay, like man, there's another host of stuff I've got to deal with. So, so here's the idea that what the debt snowball is. All right, do you have to pay all the minimum payments of those four things? Yeah, you got to. Now, here's the thing that that um, that the debt snowball would say. Attack the smallest one first, given the fact that it's not like, if the smallest one like had a very small interest rate and the next one had a really high interest rate, you might want to reorder them. But most likely it says, attack that smallest one first. Now me, I think, but the biggest one's the biggest one. Like, that doesn't that need, no, no, no. Attack the smallest one. Get the baby out of the way, right? Just get that, that small thing right there. So if you had an extra $500 each month, you could pay off all your debt in 27 months. An extra 500 bucks. Now, you go, that's hard to come up with. It, it is. But I also know that if you really want something, you'll work hard enough to get it. An extra $500 a month, we have just taken off over eight years off the, the life of that loan. Does that sound a little better, anybody? Sound a little better? Let me show you how this this fleshes out. So, if you had an extra $500, pay off the medical bill in the first month. Done. How much was that medical bill, by the way? $500, $500. and you had to pay how much? You had to pay 50 on the minimum payment, but you got an extra $500. Get rid of it. Gone. Gone. First month, free. Now we're down. Instead of four debts, we're down to what? Three, Three debts. Now what's the easy way to do is go, okay, good, I only got three. Now let me continue to pay that minimum payment. Here's where the snowball comes. Take that $550 that you had allotted for that first one and now apply that and the minimum payment of the second one and go after that one. Follow me? So you take what was, you were using on the first one and the minimum payment on the second one and you apply it. So what that means is you pay off the credit card debt at $613 a month in four months. Four months. done. Why? Because you took the minimum payment of that one, the extra income that you had, and what you were paying on that first debt, you put it together, and now instead of paying the, what was the minimum payment on your credit card? Sixty-three dollars. Instead of doing 63, you put 613 dollars down, and you get rid of it in four months. Now we're down from four debts to how much? Two. What do you do? Yes, sir.: Sorry. Yes good. Mm mm-hmm yep and to the second one so whatever you put on that first one right so we put 500 on that first one then you apply that on top of that one to the second one so it's just like you're still paying it kind of right but you're putting it all there so what happens next is now what do we do take one and two and apply it to three right you just you add all this stuff up and now what you're doing is because you got used to where you're paying that right It was going out of your check anyway. Just let it go out. But what do you do now? Look at this. Pay off the car loan at $748 a month in 10 months. How much was that car payment the minimum was? $135. Now you can put $748 down on it. And you know what might even happen if you start doing that? The car loan place may call you. Now, you're aware you don't have to pay that much, right? Take your time. Don't stress out. Because at this rate, you know, you're... You know, just, uh, that's got to be hard on you, just, because by our records, you're not going to pay us all this interest that we thought you were going to pay us. You're going to be done in 10 months, and we're going to wonder where we're going out to eat uh, at at month 11, right? That's the point. (laughs) That's the point. So you apply one and two, and the minimum payment of three, and now you're putting $748 down, right? 10 months, gone, gone. Now you still got a big boy, right? A student loan debt doesn't look fun, but if you apply all this, you pay off student loans at $844 in 12 months. Minimum payment, what was it again? $96. They're going to be shocked. They're going to think you won the lottery. $844. Yes, sir. Yep, $500 a month. And then all those minimum payments on all those other things you did, that compounds, right? You add it all together, and you just knock it down. So if you could find a way to get five hundred dollars else out of the month, and now how can you do that? You get another job, right? Hey, look, working at Chick Fil A on a Saturday, cutting some yards in your 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 neighborhood, right? Doing some type of side thing like well, they're only making okay. Do something else, get just a little bit more income, right? Sell something. Half the stuff you've been paying for has been collecting dust in the attic anyway. Get rid of some stuff, right? Just sell whatever you got. Just if you could find in this scenario, right? Now, listen, you might say I can only come up with $250 a month. I guess I shouldn't try. No, use that. <laughs> but but I, this is a scenario to say if you could find another $500 a month and you live lean, I mean real lean, right? You're not spending more money. You're not going in more debt. But you go, let me do this. What would take you probably 11 years can be done in two. Two. Now you see why the rich gets richer on the backs of the poor getting poorer? Now I, I, didn't, I didn't compute this necessarily, um, but the, the, the amount of what you can do is, is amazing, but how much you just saved yourself from paying on interest is, is unbelievable, right? So you would pay off $20,000 of debt in only 27 months. Of finding an extra 500 bucks somewhere. That's hard to come by. I get it. But I guarantee this. Hey. Stop getting a drink every time you go out to eat. Yeah. Get water. Right. Get water. I guarantee you probably come up with more in a month than you think you would. Right. Gas station coffee instead of Starbucks. Now I'm not going to the movies every weekend. No, I'm not going to supersize everything. It adds up, doesn't it, folks? You probably come up with 500 bucks without having to get another job. Just be a little bit tight. <gasps> tight for 27 months is better than being tight for 11 years. Right? Freedom. Unshackled. And then what happens? You go, I'm free at 27 months. Let me see what I want to get on the credit card now. No! <laughs> you, you run from the devil. You don't run to him, okay? You run as fast as you can. And now hey, get this, watch this, then you have an extra $844 unrestricted money every month. If you took that $500 that you applied and those four minimum payments, can anybody here think of something you would like to do with $844 a month? Hey, oh, by the way, here's a free gift, 844 bucks every month. What do you want to do with it? thank you. Somebody said tithe. I love you. Okay, um, yeah, but that'd be a great place to start, right? It's a great place to start. It's a great place to bless your family, you know? I, I, I mean, sometimes, you know, that family member, it's not you're enabling or you're not getting them in trouble, but you go, I just really do want to bless this person. Like, bless them. You, you want to take a family vacation because they had a lot of time together? $844. I can, do, I can do a lot with $844. I can do a lot with that. Bless somebody. Tithe to a church. Help out on a mission project. Help somebody who's going without. That's, once again, being really tight for about two years. Is that worth it? You better believe it. And let me tell you, when you get a taste of freedom, if you go back to that, that's your own fault at that point. That is your own fault. Because when it's just like $844, and that's, and that's, folks, that's two years not expecting you to get any kind of raise or anything like an increase or whatever. That that's, You'd have room, and, and wouldn't it be great for, and even in that $844, you might save it. What about that? Okay, so, so, so figure this out. It's going to be hard. It's going to be math here for a second, okay? But if you save $844 for 10 months, guess what? You can buy a good car in 10 months. Cash. Hey, we'll finance this for you. How about, will you take dollar bills? What is that? <laughs> We don't really see those things. Hey, in 10 months, you can buy a decent car with that, can you not? Hey, it's not shiny, it's it's not the best thing you've ever seen, but it'll get you from point A to point B and you're not in debt. You're not in debt. And guess what? The depreciation value on that car, will it go down? You better believe it, but not at the rate that that new one will do. Not at 10% the moment you drive off a lot, are you kidding me? It'll go down a little bit, but not that much. So you see why this is important? I'm just not try- I'm, I'm really saying you start working at this these scenarios can really really help you out. So here, here's just final few things to think through. Um, number 1, if you got some debts, I want you to list your debts out. List your debts out. I don't think I wrote that right, but okay, list your debts out. Some of you that already stresses you out, but here's what I want you to do. Get it all on one page. I owe this on the car loan, this credit card's this, this credit card's this this such and such going on here. Oh, my mom or that. Oh, my grandma, whatever. Just get it all out there. Okay. Some of you will be overwhelmed by this. You need to be overwhelmed by it. Get it all there. I don't make progress until I get overwhelmed sometimes. I got to face it and go, that's not good. What am I going to do? I'm going to start making progress. List them all out. One sheet of paper. Just put all of them on, right? Okay. So this one, I owe this. It's that much. It's 19%. Uh, interest on a credit card and I owe 500 bucks. Uh, this one I owe $2,000 in this car, just put them all out there. Then, next, order them by amount. Smallest to largest, right? Order them out by amount. So what's the smallest debt you got? Go all the way down to the largest debt you got. Okay? You're going to find one in that list that's somewhat attainable to knock out of the way. You target that bad boy and you knock it out. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to feel success, and it's going to like, this feels good, right? So you list them, order them by amount. Next, pay the minimum on all, right? You got to pay what's owed. It's biblical. It's right. And if you don't do it, they're coming for you anyway, okay? you got to pay the minimum. Pay the minimum on there. Start there. But then pay any possible extra on the smallest loan. Any possible extra that you have on the smallest loan, you attack it. If it's $5, put $5. If it's $500, put $500. Just put whatever you can and attack it. That smallest one. And then you're going to find a little success. And once one debt is paid, apply the entire payment to the next debt in line. Okay? So once you get that first one off, apply that entire payment to the next debt in line. Go after, you went after um. The small one, now you're going after the medium-sized one, right, or the next one in line, and you apply all that stuff there. Repeat until all debts are paid. Keep doing it. Keep working at it. Just keep going until you see you're down from five to four to three to two to one. Then you get that one off, and you don't even have to have $844. You go to Chili's that night, and you thank the Lord that you're not putting on a credit card, and you can even get sweet tea. I will allow you to get sweet tea that night, Okay. Get chips and salsa while you're at it. Just, I mean, just, look, there. listen, you have gone. You have known what it's like to be in scarcity, right? And now you go, thank you, Lord, for abundance and wisdom. This, and tell you what, chips and salsa never taste so good. That's when they are not going into debt to get them, right? Just, it's just good. And you go, thank you, Lord. There's a, there's a time for famine. There's a time for feasting, too. There's a time to say, thank you, God. We're in a good spot. We can do this, right? So you repeat until all debts are paid. And then, refrain from incurring any unnecessary debt. Once you get free, do not go back to a yoke of slavery. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and it doesn't even fit. Don't go there again. Refrain from incurring any unnecessary debt. Now, is this making sense, folks? Okay. Some of you, once again, some of you may feel like this is remedial. Some of you go, I've never thought about it that way. Here's what I am after. If anything, I'm after for you. I love you. I want peace in your life, and I know the pain that finance and debt can cause in your life, and it is unnecessary. This world, God himself has promised you're going to have trouble in this world, right? So therefore, do not add more trouble onto the trouble in which you've already been promised, okay? We've been promised trouble, but don't add more to it with unwise decisions. Sometimes the best thing for us is to say no, or not now, or let me take some time with it, And if you can really start working out and getting this freedom, here's what I want you to think about. What if there's a day, okay, where you are not sweating and stressed out about all the bills that you have to pay? And by doing some hard work and being content and doing the discipline kind of thing, week in, week out, month in, month out, you're at a place one day of not scarcity, but even abundance, you know? And... Now, I'll tell you that most of the time in my life, when an abundance comes and it's kind of unexpected, here's something that happens. my I in telling you? What's about to break? <laughs> I got three hundred dollars I wasn't expecting. What's about to break? And a lot of times, guess what? Something breaks, and it's about three hundred dollars. And praise God, I don't have to go in debt for it. Hey, Lord takes care of my needs. He supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so you just go. And yet sometimes you might have an abundance, and you go, Wow, wouldn't it be great for somebody who just struggling to get through month in, month out, running and feeling like you're paycheck to paycheck, what if you got to the place where you thought there's a need and instead of me being on the receiving end, I can be on the giving end now? It's just just a beautiful place to be to say, I can help this person out. I can also tell you this. um, Somebody taught me this information years ago. I'm discipling you and passing this on to you tonight. It is not for you just to stay right here. There's somebody in your life you need to pass this on to. This isn't rocket science. Y'all realize that, right? I'm Travis from South Carolina. If I can figure this out, promise you. There are a whole lot of folks who can too, right? Okay, so so who can you share this with? Who can you help make sure that they're navigating through these situations the right way? And I just want us to live in such the type of Christ-given abundance that when we get, get something that we can say, Lord, how can I bless someone else? It might take you a long time to get there. Okay? Most things in life do, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Let me pray for you. Father, I'd ask tonight that as we um, think through and apply some of these principles, uh, we, we've read in your word about the danger or that debt is and the things that cause it and the thing that can get us in such a bad situation. We see it. We believe it. Uh, but Lord, some of us are energized tonight. Some of us got a game plan. Some of us might feel overwhelmed because the task seems too large. But I know this about you, that nothing is impossible with you and that you are for us. And so if we start doing right now using biblical principles that you've given us, you are going to, I think, even assist us in this process. Think you give us favor to find good jobs and to work hard and to be diligent? So that we we go there and have good attitudes, and I think that there'll be opportunities for some people in here to get a promotion because they just work and they don't complain and whine like everybody else. They get in there, they do their job, they're on time, they 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 do what's asked of them, and then some, and then God blesses that, and then sometimes it's God, you allow us to make advances because we work harder, and sometimes you just bless your kids with something unexpected, and that's just the kind of father you are, but. For some of us right now, we didn't get in this mess overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight, but we do know that we need to get out of it. So help us start taking those first steps today. Help it become just invigorating for us when we start finding small successes. That it somehow just gets in our system and it just makes us like, yes, we want to get free. We, we don't want to be enslaved to anybody else who's controlling us, threatening us at different times. We want to be free from that so that we can be in a place of contentment, of peace, but also of generosity, that, um, God, I I would just pray that for every single one of us that we could be at the most free place, that we could help out as many people as we possibly can. None of this stuff goes with us, God, and so we want to be wise with every dollar that you allow us to have, so, God, for those, um, whatever kind of mess that we're in, all of us need some help, all of us need some stuff that we need to work on. Would you give us direction? Would you give us determination and perseverance in times that are hard? And, Lord, I pray for a day, for every single one of us, maybe in the near future, where we would have the capacity, the margin to bless somebody else uh, because we've done the hard work now. So, God, that is such a gift. You are such a good giver. To even give us these proverbs, to even give us some wisdom like this tonight to be able to talk about, help us give that away as well. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.